If we're being real, we need to get into some playoff talk. So we're going to jump right into it. All right. Where do you want to start? So before we get into the outcome of games and stuff like that, I want to get into players doing exactly what they're known for. Hold on a minute. You got to explain that to me. What are we talking about? I'm talking about players doing extracurricular activities other than what they're supposed to be doing, which is playing basketball. For one, did you hear about Russell Westbrook getting into it with a fan in game one? I don't know why that's becoming really popular this year. Not only this year, but in years past. Russell Westbrook just gets into it with fans. You can count on it. If you hear about a player getting into it with a fan, you're almost guaranteed that it is Russell Westbrook. All right, now on to the next player. Wait, we're done talking about Russell Westbrook? See, now that's why he got into it with a fan. You better watch yourself. Anyway, let's move forward. Did you hear that they're starting a new Broadway show? I don't like where you're going with this. Aren't you at all curious what it is? Every fiber of my being wants to say no. But go ahead. Let's hear it. All right, starting next weekend in a theater near you, we got the Nut Kicker. And here I thought it wasn't even close to Christmas time. Oh, don't worry. He brings out all times of year. Heard he just lost out on the part of Step Brothers. Oh, man. Anyway, that's right. It's starring Draymond Green. And Draymond Green, while he didn't kick anybody down there, he did get into some extracurricular activity with his feet. Are you surprised? Can you rephrase that? I don't like the extracurricular activity with feet comment. Okay, he's stepped on Sabonis. All right, that's better. With that being said, he got ejected again from another playoff game. You can almost count on Draymond getting ejected once in a playoff game every year. Now, do I agree with what Sabonis did? No, he shouldn't have grabbed Draymond Green's foot. With that being said, Draymond Green stepped way out of the line by stomping on him. He may have cost his team the game, and now he gets suspended. Now, I want to ask you, why do you think he got suspended? What do you mean? He freaking stepped on the dude. See, I actually don't think that's why he got suspended. Now, while I don't agree, I don't think he should have been suspended. But if you watched what Draymond Green did after he stomped on Sabonis... He starts getting into it with the crowd. He's yelling at them. It's getting really contentious in the arena. And then after the game, during the press conference, he goes on to say, oh, well, I've been grabbed twice in the legs in the first two games, and I'm not that flexible. I didn't have anywhere else to step. Yeah, that was a load of malarkey. Exactly. This dude stomped on Sabonis, then jumped up and did like a split in midair. You definitely have the flexibility to step slightly more forward to get around Sabonis. Anyway, I don't want to get too heated. It's just disappointing that Draymond didn't handle it better. I genuinely think if he actually showed remorse after the game, if he said, you know, in the heat of the moment, I did it. I really shouldn't have. My bad. We're looking forward to the next game. Hopefully we can get a win under our belt or something like that. I don't think he would have been suspended. But then he came out and defended himself, made a mockery of the whole thing. And guess what? The commissioner was in the building. It's like when the principal used to walk into the classroom. Everybody be on their best behavior, and he wasn't. Well said. Yeah, it's just disappointing that he got suspended in the finals Back when they lost to the Cavs, when they were up 3-1, because he was acting dumb. They then lose that finals, 
Kevin Durant comes to the Warriors, which in turn ruins the NBA, and now this year he's potentially again ruining the Warriors' chances of winning this series, and it could be the end of the dynasty. All right, sticking with the Warriors here for a minute. On to a teammate of Draymond's, Steph Curry. Here is a very interesting stat that I think you will be very surprised at. Do you think Steph Curry is a super clutch shooter? I think he's the clutchest shooter on their team, but I wouldn't necessarily classify him as a clutch shooter. Well, I don't even know about that. Because I'm going to read off some stats to you here real quick. And I think you would rather take your chances with somebody else shooting than Curry. And I think you actually can see the Kings doing the exact same thing and believing the exact same thing. So at the end of game one, he took a shot in the last two minutes to, to either tie it or take the lead. And I want you to guess, in Curry's career playoffs, with less than two minutes left in overtime or in the fourth quarter, what is his shooting percentage to take the lead? Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 15 to 21%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to stop you there. You're way high. He is 0 for 13 in the last two minutes of overtime or the fourth quarter, and he's 0 for 7 from 3. He is not clutch at all. That's honestly incredibly surprising. And most people probably would have thought your 15 to 20% was surprising. I sure would have thought that. When I watch the games, I know Curry isn't that good in the clutch, but that 0 for 13 and 0 for 7 from 3, that astounded me. I got that watching a show on Fox Sports, and I was especially surprised when I heard that stat. And I do think that something like that has to come into consideration when you talk about the all-time greatness of Curry. And I think you can actually see the Kings see this and recognize this by what they did at the end of game one. At the end of game one, the Kings actually had the defender on Curry come off of Curry and guard Klay Thompson. Now, I think they wanted to switch there and have somebody guard Curry and not give him a wide open three, but they took the better defender off of Curry and put it onto Klay Thompson. And I believe that is due to the fact that they knew about Curry's history, considering the coach of the Kings used to be an assistant coach on the Warriors. He knows Curry isn't necessarily that great of a shooter in situations like this. Anyway, let's move on. We got to talk about LeBron James and the Lakers not being able to beat Memphis Grizzly without John Morant and two other key players. What do you think about that? I really don't think it's good for them. I'll tell you that much. Look, they were in the play-in for a reason, but them not being able to beat the Grizzlies is absolutely pathetic. Not much else to say about that. Anthony Davis, you have to be way more aggressive. They're missing their starting center and their backup center, and now they don't have John Morant and you guys couldn't take game two? Whew, not a good look. Yeah, that's really bad. All right, on to the last game we want to talk about. I was watching game two of the Nuggets and the Timberwolves. And something stood out to me. What's that? Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert have to be two of the most overrated players in the NBA right now. Yes! I was watching game two in the fourth quarter, and I was literally laughing at these guys. They can't do anything offensively other than Rudy Gobert dunking and Carl Anthony Towns sometimes being able to hit a jump shot. There were points even throughout this game that the Nuggets didn't have a center in the game. And you have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, supposedly two of the better centers in the league, and you couldn't do anything in the post? They weren't even giving you the ball in the post. All you have to do is get the ball down low and do a little layup. You're going up against guys way shorter than you are. Really, guys? You can't do anything? 
I have been saying this for absolute years. They are both heavily overrated. I hate today's NBA where the centers have absolutely no post game. Back in the 80s and 90s, if you didn't have a center out there, they'd be feeding the post to the center and they'd be getting buckets all day long. What's with today's post guys? It's like they don't even know what they're doing anymore. I'm fine with the center being well-rounded, but you have to develop a post game. If you have the opportunity to score easy buckets in the post, you need to have a player that can make that happen. And those two guys cannot get it done. Yeah, who cares about analytics? If you got a center out there and they don't, you should be feeding the post and the center should be able to get you buckets. Simple as that. Anyway, that's it for the games. I just want to bring something up quick. We talked about us wanting to shorten the playoffs because we don't want to see, first of all, the seventh and eighth seeds, who for the most part suck in the playoffs. And second of all, if they do beat the one or two seeds, that's because an injury occurred. And I am really hoping that that doesn't happen this year. We already saw it with Giannis in Milwaukee. Luckily, the Bucks won game two without Giannis. But can you imagine if the Bucks don't make it past round one because Giannis can't come back soon? Or even for that matter, John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies, if they don't get past the Lakers because John Morant's not there. That would absolutely suck because two of the best guys on those teams got injured. Injuries in sports are inevitable. They're going to happen, but at the rate that they are happening and the rate they're happening to high-priced talent, it amazes me that the NBA wants to continually expand the playoff system, which is only going to lead to more injuries and less playtime for the high-priced guys who are selling the most tickets, and that means less viewership and less money ultimately in their pockets. And like we talked about before, not only do I think if you shorten the amount of teams in the playoffs, you give the first-ranked team a buy and maybe even the second team a buy, that'll make the playoffs more intriguing because you'll actually have the good teams playing. But I also think it'll help with the load management issue you have in the regular season. If we're being real... Nobody really cares about the really crappy teams and if they're load managing. It's the key guys on the key teams that we care about and that are televised that we don't want to have load management issues with. If you reduce the amount of teams in the playoffs, that'll help deal with that. 1,000%. And on top of that, I think you should shorten the first round to a five-game series instead of a seven. That way, the first seed, and if you're giving a bye to the second seed, they're not sitting there waiting a long time get the first round over with, have it a five-game series like it used to be, and move on to get into the good teams playing. Because guess what? That's what we want to see. That's what everybody else wants to see. Let's get on with the good stuff. Get rid of the crap. Yeah, the seven-game series at the beginning is just way too long. Cut it down to a five-game series, move on later in the playoffs, then have the seven-game series come up. But that's it for today. Remember to like, subscribe, comment down below your thoughts, and until next time, keep it real.